This is exactly right. Welcome to My Favorite Murder. That's Karen Kilgariff. That's Georgia Hardstart. And this is the podcast that tells you... <laughs> what? It tells you... It tells you what? Kind of the worst things you could possibly hear. Yeah. It really does just tell it right into your ear hole. <laughs> it just says it right into your eardrum. Yeah, so if you're laying in bed at night trying to get something to fall asleep to, this is it. I had a dream that Tenacious D broke up. Am I wrong? (laughs) (laughs) That was out of the blue. Literally a picture just passed through behind my eyes in my brain. A picture. I must have fallen asleep in front of something that informed my dreams last night. I hope they didn't. I mean, they've written nine songs about breaking up. Yeah, so maybe that's, that's probably what it is. I watched some a weird rerun or something. <laughs> oh, you know what I was going to do? Um, this is a new corner. Okay. Because it's not a correction, but I did. I I listened to the mini, last week's mini-sode. Uh-huh. And in thinking about the story of the man that was laying under the movie theater seats, uh-huh. because, of course... We, much like the women it happened to, were shocked and surprised right. that there was a man laying under their movie theater seats for an entire movie. Yeah. But, so we were laughing and stuff, but I did want to underline, if that ever happens, mm-hmm. call the police immediately. Don't wait for movie theater employees no. to call the police. Don't wait for permission to call the police. Yeah. You call the police immediately because the person that lays under movie theater seats... <laughs> Is only going to do weirder and more fucked up stuff afterwards. Totally. So I I felt bad after I heard that because we <laughs> were laughing so hard. Well, they did say in it um, that they talked to the manager and ultimately we called the police. Yes. But I think they were just so shocked by it. Exactly. Yeah. As were we. Yeah. And we I didn't felt like call the police either. We didn't. I no. I actually on the relist and I called the police. <laughs> I called Burbank police. I just wanted to say that like. Sometimes weird thing is not, you don't have to be touched or assaulted in yeah. any way that that deserved a police call yeah. for sure. They should have felt 100 percent great doing that. Definitely. Yeah. I just I guess I don't know. Maybe that's too random. No, but I, I wanted to underline it. I, you've been thinking about it, holding it in. And now there it is. If you don't know what like um, <laughs> civic order a, th- a, a behavior violates, uh-huh. you can still call the police. <laughs> They'll if figure you feel it out. Weird. Yes. They'll get the book out from the shelf, the civic yep. order book. They'll pull it all down and, and then get into know. their police cruiser. Sure. And come help you. Okay. Now we have to have a different corner. Okay. That it's been asked of it's us. Been doing <laughs> and then we're, 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 they're getting back together. No. They're getting back together. Oh, is that Tenacious E? <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, I love Tenacious D. Tenacious D. No. Sorry. Um, okay, we have to talk about this wild, wild country corner. Now. Oh, fuck. Can people, yes, watch it. <laughs> Everyone. Guys, let's update a couple things. We heard about the lady's body that was found in the wall years later. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing story. <laughs> Combined everything. We we got a lot of tweets about it. Yep. All the way up to and including this documentary that is 
incredibly done. Mm-hmm. Beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Brilliantly done. Did you watch the whole thing? No. <laughs> no. Uh, me neither. Can I tell you? You didn't finish it? Can I tell you something? You don't like it. I find it kind of boring. <laughs> Why do I hate everything? You always say that when it's the thing I love. I know. We do just... you think it's because you think you need to do point counterpoint? No. If I love it, you have to find something wrong with how, it. How, when did I know your opinion of it? Well, because I already did it as a story. So. Yeah, but I thought your story was interesting. Listen, I do think Ma- Sheila, though. Ma on on Sheila. I could just listen to her talk for hours she did say one thing that was a joke <laughs> that one you know what she said to someone and i was watching it last night trying so hard i was i watched episode one and vince and i were both like wow this is so boring <laughs> and then i was someone else was like it gets better so i was like okay i'll jump to episode three so i go to episode three and it's still boring but she does say to someone in a news report that you know well what do you say to the people who blah 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 and she goes tough titties <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, wow, that's who I want to be. I mean, she really is kind of a great villain. I don't know. I like I like a lady that's just like bound and determined. Yeah. I just want it to be about like, I guess I don't totally understand what the cult is about. Like all they're doing is fighting people, but without any like not fighting for. They their... were, you know, they were fighting for um, he was really into like sex. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bunch of sex stuff. And then there was, you know, there were kind of like Buddhist concepts, basically, where it's like, love yourself and love your fellow man. But carry an AK-47 around with you <laughs> everywhere you go. I mean, because they started getting, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it was just a, it was a cult. Why, why would any spiritual leader have, thir- was it 37 Rolls Royces? I think 37 oh is God. the right number. But like that, that was his goal and dream. And then they made that happen for him. Like all those things, there's no, uh, logic isn't a big part. No, it's not like Heaven's Gate where they're like, here's the thing we believe in. There's this and there's this. And we're going to get on fucking the Haley Bop and get the fuck out of town <laughs> and our human, you know, like they had like rules and things. But it was, it, you know, is that. It was out of that tradition that that would happen all the time. Gurus would pop right. up. Gurus. This was the person to listen to. This guy was smarter than regular people. Right. Everybody. He, that's a human trait. We love to think there's one smarter person that should tell us everything. And we'll just do that. And then that'll be fine. Yeah. Because whatever we're doing isn't working. Yeah. And that's a great concept. That's completely fucking full of shit. <laughs> because no one knows anything. Also, some people don't look good in maroon. <laughs> fucking take that shirt off, dude. Although there were some insanely hot 70s guys in that documentary. Yeah. There were some very good looking 70s people who had left their families. <laughs> to fucking, like the chick, the Australian chick who was just like... I was bored and I did this and that. And I'm like, I bet her kid has so many fucking uh, issues now. Yes. <laughs> like your mom just got bored of you in her life in the later days to fucking. It was so. Oregon. It, yes, exactly. They were like, I, you know what? I need to do this for me. Yeah. Though. It's that se- <sighs> super selfish, uh, like late seventies me generation. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. Where everyone was like, this is, I have to prioritize myself. Right. So I'm going to get divorced and leave all my children behind. It's like, okay. That's why helicopter parenting is what it is today. Oh, because all of us kids who, who were 
left for maroon fucking <laughs> for the maroon fields of yeah south, southeastern oregon now we're like my mom did it wrong so now i'm gonna do it this way i'm gonna do it so right yeah that i am your shadow yeah. caleb and guess what you're gonna hate your parents anyways <laughs> fucking that's right if Brewster. they're not there you hate them if they're always there you hate them it's yeah. real hard to get that english just right on parenting no yeah it doesn't work take it from us we don't have kids <laughs> <laughs> we did the smart thing and did neither. We parented neither way. I was always like, how could I have kids when I am merely a child? Yeah. Oh, what was the other thing? Oh, well, this is just incidental. Okay. But I, I, I feel like people like a nice dentist update. <laughs> right? Always. It's because it's really the uh, rags to riches story of me being so afraid to go to the dentist. And now I can't stop going to the dentist. <laughs> Every time we talk to each other, I'm on my way to the dentist. Yeah. Right? I love to be like, sorry, I'm stepping into the dentist's office um but uh, so it's like your agent like i have to go to my dentist's office <laughs> <exactly>. today <laughs> my highfalutin dentist office um so again i went to visit my dentist but i wanted to tell people this because the reason i didn't go for so long was because i thought that i was phobic of the dentist mm -hmm. i would have panic attacks in the dentist chair and recently my, and was before I started going again, my friend Paige Hurwitz, whose parents were doctors, told me that lidocaine, which is the Novocaine that they shoot into your mouth, uh, like a numbing, the numbing shit, the numbing shit uh -huh. that you, that's gets shot into your mouth. If you are allergic to it or have a sensitivity to it, your blood pressure drops <gasps> and the blood pressure dropping is in me the same feeling of starting a seizure or starting a pan panic Holy attack shit. where, and I had it in the chair and went, Oh my God, this is what she was talking about where I, I felt like I was falling backwards, even though I was already yeah. laying down and I was like, Whoa, Whoa. And I like my hand went up really weird, but he didn't notice. Thank God. <laughs> um, but I was still wearing fucking Oakley blades. Oh so it's not God. like I looked great or anything, but, um, Basically, if you're afraid to go to the dentist or you have panic attack type feelings, yeah. it could be because you're um, allergic to lidocaine and you can ask them to give you something different. Well, shit. Like right? heroin? You can get a heroin shot into your eye oh, and then oh you don't no. feel anything. Shots in your eye. For like eight hours. <laughs> no, it's worth it. <laughs> but I just like, once I learned that, I was like, oh, yeah. this, like, this could have saved me like six years worth of like stress about the dentist not going to the dentist avoiding it or when i used to go i would be so freaked out i was like couldn't stop i could, would hold my breath oh the my whole God. time yeah it was really weird freaked me out fuck that that's my you know what that is that's like a psa yeah yeah the more you know about your teeth glingle glingle gling 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 the more you know oh well should we talk real quick about our, our announcement our big surprise our big surprise we've been sitting on this one guys we have lots of surprises we have lots of them that we just can't talk about yet yes but we have like four that are gonna blow doors once we can talk about them <laughs> really exciting stuff coming up in the future uh everybody <laughs> but in the meantime the one we can tell you <laughs> is that we are we finally have put together um a a fan club of sorts that we're calling the fan cult because fan club. It's clubs, a fan club. Yeah. So that's going to happen soon. And it, we'll tell you more about it 
in the next couple of weeks, but it's going to have like, all it's, co- it's actually happening in like 10 days. Yeah. It's happening very soon. It's going to be very exciting. We'll, t- we'll tell you more next episode, but it's going to be like uh, exclusive merch that you can't get and access, first access to buy tickets to the live shows and uh, then like a message board and cool shit like that. Uh, pictures, yeah. you know, video type stuff. We're exclusive just like, shit. we're actually getting our act together. Uh-huh. And um, putting a thing together for you so that if you care to have some next level interaction with this podcast, we're going to give you some stuff. Yeah, we're, there's going to be a live video feed at Karen's <laughs> dentist appointments. <laughs> from We're going to get her hot dentist to put a camera. Or maybe you should have the camera on your yes. head and it's just filming the hot dentist. So you can see when he goes... Can you turn your head more to the right? It's I'm constantly trying to turn away and close my mouth. So he's constantly <laughs> trying to tell me to open my mouth more and turn my head so that I'm not basically turning my back on the appointment. Well, they'll know that soon. When I mean, they, it's exciting when stuff. They get, and then I'll have a live feed. Of, I'll have a forehead camera on my forehead for when I take naps. Perfect. So you can just see Mimi sitting next to me sleeping. It'll I be mean, great. This is show business, people. <laughs> this is what you look for in entertainment. There's going to be a Stephen Cam, a mustache cam on Stephen. It's a tiny camera, like in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, yeah. that travels through Stephen's mustache. It has adventures. That's right. It, it takes weeks and weeks. <laughs> There's a creek. It meets new people. That's right. There's goblins. Yep. Um, There's cats. <laughs> tiny, tiny miniature cats. Oh, we have to talk about what the, the person that drew the cartoon when we said that Stephen's inception was he just grew <laughs> out of the carpet. Oh my God! Do you you don't have that person's name nearby? Do you? I think I, I might. No, I, I think, think it's you, on our MFM. You sent Instagram. it to us. Instagram. A, a very talented person whose name we're about to say. Yeah, hold on to your butts, everyone. <laughs> you get who? It's a race. Stephen and George are uh, both uh, looking at Dylan, the girl. <laughs> Fuck you, Stephen. <laughs> Dylan, the girl. Dylan, the girl made an Inception um, like cartoon of us <laughs> of Stephen Inception of us freaking the fuck out while Stephen grows out from the carpet. It's pretty hilarious. It it was real good. Thank you. Thanks, still in the girl. Um, also, someone, and I'm sorry because I'm not, I'm looking at it, my phone and I won't race. I won't <laughs> race the way these two do. Uh-huh. Someone made, did you see that the Photoshop where they put the um, Kate and Kate and Leo from Titanic into a sinkhole? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's real good. That's recent. Oh, Everybody's that's been, there's been lots of fun interaction um, on Twitter lately. Yeah. Well, yeah. Instagram too. Yes, yes. Instagram's also a great don't social Insta- media don't platform. Don't forget mine. What's going on over on Instagram? Oh, check in. Verified, which means just as that little blue check. Thing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And that means that you can get cash anywhere in the city. <laughs> yeah. No, it just means that you're better than your kids you went to high school with. Oh, good. Yeah. And do you email them and let them know that? Oh, it, it lets them, Instagram lets them know on their own. It gets, sends everyone you went to high school with a notification. Great. And then it also sends everybody your social security number. Right. Because that's the new thing. Right. Well, you don't need your social security number. You're a higher being who doesn't require government stuff. You're no longer defined by that exactly. number. Exactly. So it's like, here, you can have it if you want it now. Like, it's up for grabs. I just, in my mind, had yeah. to tell myself three times not to say my own <laughs> social security number. I'm not kidding. Isn't it like standing at the edge of a cliff and being like, don't, you're not, don't fall forward. Don't do fall not, forward. Do not it's do like, it. Don't blurt out your social security <laughs> number right now. Like we're going live across know, the nation. I know, right? The live show. That would be actually, do you think we could do that one day, Steve? What? Go live. 
You're crazy. No, I'm not. I mean, we could do like a Facebook Live or a, even through the new fan page probably. Oh, <gasps> fan page Live. This, yeah. That wasn't fake. I swear to God. I think that would be hilarious or and really it. fun. And also on the fan cult, there's going to be a Facebook Live. We're going to do um, once a week. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. No, we're not. We're going to come to you every morning well, from I want, 5 a.m. Steven, can you edit this part just so we have it so we can play it to Karen every time? She's like, who the fuck made this decision to do this? When I'm laying on my couch, like, I'm not coming to that. Yeah. Georgia's like, no, no, no. It's this was yours. all your it's idea. yours. You did this. You. You did this You to took the camera out of Steven's mustache and put it directly on us live. <laughs> That's what she wanted. Come on, everybody. <laughs> um, I do think it would be cool if we could have... A hotline. <laughs> a hotline? It's Jesus. Yeah. You're just adding so much. Just pick up a phone every once in a while and just maybe there's somebody there like, let's go to. I feel like we could do a, like one, we could do a live hometown read uh, episode or to put up on the fan page. You mean like I grab this microphone and run downstairs to find somebody <laughs> on the street? No. I man on the street it? No, we just read from a page live. <laughs> Where? On the face, on in the camera. Listen, I'm going to get this together and I'm going to make it I'm make, make me sense. I'm going to bring it to me and make me see it with you. I see it here. I just don't have the hair. hair. You're not coming out here? I did not. Someone said they wanted to play words with friends with me. And I said that I think that, that they were being mean because <laughs> you just want to win. that was attacked? A little bit. That was an attack on you. Because you know you're going to win. You took them asking to play a game with you as an insult? Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes they did. I can't, even when I, I, I've, I used to play Yahtzee with friends uh-huh. or with buddies. Sure. Um, but I hated the idea. Every once in a while I'd play with a person I didn't know, just whoever was on there. Yeah. And it creeped me out so much. Stranger. I don't like that idea. It's creepy. You're not supposed to talk to strangers, especially with Yahtzee words. No. <laughs> Spelling your words with Yahtzee. No. Don't Yahtzee with strangers. <laughs> don't Yahtzee with strangers. No. What was that supposed to be? Don't talk to strangers. Don't yachts to strangers. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? No. Take it out. <laughs> Do not. This is why we don't go live. <laughs> Guys, this is... Steven, this is going to be the one you don't have to edit. Yeah. Watch this. Watch this. Here we go. We start practicing now. Yeah. No more edits. <laughs> yeah. Can't even imagine. Shit. Well, we do it live on sh- at live shows all the time. That is true. And we just knock those out of the park every single time. Ooh. When there's a baby in the audience. Oh, my God. You guys, there was a baby in the audience at the L.A. show. It was a noise <laughs> that we heard. We stopped. We looked around. Was, was it like you or me? It was, it was like me. I think that was like, I think we both at the same time kind of went, is that, huh? a, is that a baby? And is, then just someone raised a baby up. Over their Fucking head. Lion King style. Totally Lion King style. And it was just this cute little, oops, I just hit Mimi in the face. Aww. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Lion King style. And this baby was just staring at us. And you and I then just both lost our minds trying to get the baby to smile at us <laughs> in the most obnoxious <laughs> way in front of 2,700 people. Uh, you'll hear it. And when then we the post baby was, LA Live. yeah, it was quiet the rest of the time. Chilled out. Chilled out. Cool. It was, that was a chill baby, yeah. but it was weird and crazy and <laughs> creepy to, so you know, say the F word in front of that. Uh-huh. Probably, I would guess, eight month old baby. Yeah. Oh, guys, this is stuff that's happened to us that you weren't there for. That's the <laughs> word. That's a new corner called you weren't there. <laughs> 
Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Who goes first this week? Karen Karen Kilgareth. Also, the alienist is now over, and I would just like to say to everybody involved, great fucking job. I watched every episode twice. Nice. That means, George, I thought it was boring. No. But (laughs) I I can't. I'm going to watch. I'm going to binge watch it. I'm going to make myself sick, and I'm going to binge watch it. Do it. A hundred percent, because outfits are amazing. I want to be able to talk to you about it. God damn it. I'll talk to you. Okay. I won't stop talking to you because of this. (laughs) (laughs) Dakota Fanning rules it. The, the whole idea of it. At one point in the, the last episode, she walked up to tell the police chief something. She's like the first person, the first woman to work yeah. in the New York Police Department. I don't think it's based on a true, real person, although I could be wrong. But she walks up and she is wearing like culottes. She's, it Ooh, looks like it's supposed pants. to be pants. It's supposed to be like a long dress. But then you see that it's actually pants. It's oh the coolest God. thing that's very subtle. Yeah. And I was like, that fucking costume department yeah. nailed it hard. That'd be a fun costume department to work in, probably, huh? So many vests. So many vests. Highest shoulders you've ever seen. Insane shoulders. Ooh! So much crazy. Like, it was a fascinating... Yeah. 
we'll, we'll the rest of us will watch it and then we'll talk to you about it and then we'll all gather up we'll meet back here live we'll do a special live. <laughs> it'll be great <laughs> meet us live here yeah we're doing this we're fucking going fully regis and kelly on this i swear to god <laughs> I'm in. I mean, it's going to be a disaster, but I love a disaster. Listen, Betty White started her career by doing morning television in L.A., and they used to do morning television for five hours. Holy shit. So they'd go on the air, whatever, at 6 a.m., and then go off the air at, like, and whatever, plus five that that is. is. (laughs) Somewhere around two? I don't know. I don't know. That's all. That's what you get with live, live shit. So this is all you. Now, it's interesting that you started talking about the L.A. live show because and hopefully. um, Well, I made a mistake at the live show in Los Angeles. As we talked about, I was nervous. Um, But I had planned up until right before mm-hmm. that I was going to do the Hillside Stranglers. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, you made a big mistake. <laughs> and then I changed my mind because I was like, it's so awful. Awful and dense. And- the details is very dense. The details, whatever. Um, so I switched it, talked about an awesome woman. Uh, you'll hear when you do it, whatever. But I actually told the audience yeah. I was going to do it and change my mind. Why I would do that, yeah. I have no... That's like one of the great rules of performance. You don't tell people what you're not going to fucking do <laughs> and give them the opportunity to be like, oh, I wish you had done you that. You told them you weren't going to do the Hillside Strangler and then instead you were going to do some woman that they had never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, wow. The baby was like, I'm the, I'm out of here. The Fuck baby was shit. like, I paid good fucking money. Yeah. To be alive. Um, I mean, I was talking about like the first city editor of a newspaper. It was great. In the, <laughs> now I'm getting defensive. <laughs> uh, anyway, I took all my research. Hey. And now I'm doing the Hellside Strike. Yeah. Hi. How come neither of us have done it? It's crazy. <sighs> it's, you know, I think these ones that this is one of those ones. The cops didn't pay attention because the first three victims were sex workers Mm -hmm. and runaways. It's that thing that we that happens in all of the common denominator in these stories is people making a snap judgment on the value of a woman's life. Right. And then deciding whether or not they deserve to have their murder prosecuted it's like so frustrating it feels so layered and shitty yeah and here we go (laughs) and that's what you tuned in for hi everybody so this um from october 1977 to february 1978 the city of los angeles and most of southern california was paralyzed with fear (sighs) women were being murdered and brazenly i wrote that dumped in the hills of los angeles um Many times in full view. Now, that's a thing I didn't really understand until I started looking at pictures and researching for the show that I didn't do it at. Um, Truly, like, it was this display. And it was so fucking creepy and crazy. And oftentimes, in the later, especially in the later ones, they would be dumped in the middle of, like, a a neighborhood. So, like, one, uh, one of the victims the guy walked outside of his house and sees a dead teenage girl oh naked God. and splayed out. And he went and threw a tarp over her Yeah, because he's like, the kids are going to get come be leaving for school totally. and come and see this. So you destroy evidence, but it's, but it's for, 
it's for the good of well i mean just because it's like what the fuck is going yeah. on and like this is it's so extreme and yeah. so and this was in the late 70s and we've talked about those other murders like the freeway killers remember yeah. when there was um it was either two or three, three I think. freeway killers at the same time yeah like just cr- there's so much yeah. yes yeah um and so then this this started happening um jeez so uh their bodies were found I, I don't know why i wrote this like synopsis paragraph i probably spent a really long time on it too <laughs> um so basically when we're talking about the hillside stranglers at first it they the media was calling them the hillside strangler because they assumed oh, right. it was one murderer right um but secretly the cops knew it was two mm. because they were seeing where these bodies were placed and they knew that not one man couldn't be lifting yeah. or carrying or placing these bodies where they ended up but they didn't release that to the media because okay. they knew that 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 would help them later on right um um but when they did find out who it was it was a, a couple of cousins named Angelo Buono and Kenneth Bianchi, two of the worst people that have ever existed. Absolutely. Just simply that. Trash people. It Well, and I remember uh, a while ago starting to read the true crime book about the Hillside Stranglers mm-hmm. and the details with which they described what happened to these girls and women in Angelo Buono's house slash upholstery uh, fucking shop mm-hmm. are so upsetting mm-hmm. and insane and extreme. I stopped reading the book. It's there's there's sadists. Yes. It's torture. It's they tortured all of them and they and Angelo Buono especially he is like the son of fucking Satan and yeah. Ann Coulter. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a bad woman bad enough bad enough that works um i think it works he he was and okay so he's born in 19 uh, october 5th 1934 mm-hmm. um he was obsessed with sex from a young age and he there was problems from the beginning uh he obviously had a lifelong hatred of women um he uh had a criminal record by the time he was a teenager for f- sexual assault um doing things like pulling down a girl's underwear bragging that he had raped um women when he or girls when mm-hmm. he was 14 oh my god like he was he was fucked up um he, when he was 17 he married his high school sweetheart yet um, he had his high school sweetheart yeah how is that the word sweetheart yeah it doesn't really how about just the the woman Who's the girl who stuck around him? Well, the girl that got like, it's almost like, you know, when Ricky Ticky Tabby, when the snake goes up and yeah. then you're hypnotized by yeah. the eyes, yeah. I think that's what it is. Sure. It's that thing where you're like, Oh my God, this swarthy Italian is paying so much attention to yeah. me. He's- oh, he just hit me in the face. Oh wait, now he's sorry. <laughs> he wants to marry me. Yep. Yep. I would love to get married. Um, the magazines say I should. Yeah. Uh, okay. So he, um, Basically, he abandons his high school sweetheart after, uh, and, the, and her, and their unborn child. Thank God for when, her. Once probably. he finds out he knocks her up. Yes, exactly. Then he marries a woman named Mary Castillo. Again, domestic violence issues. Um, then, uh, not until he rapes their two year old daughter <gasps> does she leave him. And then she goes back to him after that. What the fuck? Uh-huh. Mm hmm. Then at, at one, she eventually finds herself, he's, he handcuffs her and holds her at gunpoint. And then she finally leaves him. 
But it's like, that's why I couldn't read the book. I, I was know. just like, this is, who are these fucking people? What the fuck? Why doesn't a big truck ever hit that guy? Seriously. I mean, it probably has. Like, I bet there's a lot of people who have died that, like, were those people. That super deserved it. Yeah. It's like the end of the Lovely Bones when the, the yeah. killer just gets Don't, don't, don't. You're don't. right, you're right. Read the Lovely Bones, though. It's fucking incredible. It's such a good book. Such an incredible book. It's such a good book. Um, And, and not a bad movie. Oh, I, oh yeah, it's a, that's a good movie. Um, okay, so, uh, two so he year old. a oh. two year old. It's so f- filthy and and like and he's just pathological, Depraved. Yeah. Um. So of course he becomes a car upholsterer in 1974. Sure. <laughs> what else are you gonna do with this fucking stupid idiot life? <laughs> I mean, think about that too. When you have to be an upholsterer, it's all that like <gasps> punching and ripping. Wait. Doesn't Tom, Tom Sibley's hometown was also a person that, remember, it was the guy that yeah. made patio furniture and like the weird tools and stuff. Yeah, that was like a way in way back episodes. Yeah, the guy, the guy killed his mother. That was a crazy story, yeah, but it guys, reminded me of the same be thing. Be careful of upholsterers. Sorry, the upholsterer, the murdering upholsterers right now are fucking. They're yes. crying. They're fucking calling 911. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a, this, this is not a thing to call 911. No. Please. Just email Steven. He <laughs> loves to hear from you. Okay, so that's Angelo Buono. He's the older cousin. Okay. He's definitely the cult leader in this two-man cult of fucking terror. I hate his guts. He's really disgusting. Okay. And when he has like when he when he looks like an old-fashioned uh, you know, Brooklyn grocer in some mm, of his pictures, mm-hmm. but then he grows this fucking mm. handlebar mustache mm-hmm. and he it, it's satanic. He looks like the most evil person on the planet. And he's like this. Is he the tall, skinny one? No, he's skinny, but he's smaller. Okay. Bianchi, uh, Kenneth Bianchi, the younger cousin yeah. was the taller one. Okay. Okay. And he was born May 22nd, 1951. He's 17 years younger. Okay. He's definitely like a sad sack follower. Yeah. So he was abandoned by his mother, who was a sex worker and an alcoholic. He gets adopted by the Bianchi family. Um, He's troubled all his childhood, bedwetter until he was a teenager. Dude. So, a, a, a violent tempers, compulsive liar, and of course, because he fell off a jungle gym when he was six. It is leaving him with a uh, uh, head injury, frontal lobe damage, and they think that had that basically affected Jeez. his personality. Yeah. So. That's quite the combination is you have the sadist older cousin yeah. and then the kind of like maybe could have been fine. Right. But then uh bad influence. Yeah, definitely was not. And and it's like influence, but also just the perfect opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing like that thing where like someone gets an idea and you know you shouldn't do it. But if they're into it, mm-hmm. you're like, well, then fine. I mean, yeah. it's that weird like, look, I've got this older cousin that just. Right. Loves to be the devil. Um, okay. So he was, it, he wasn't that smart, easy to influence. And, uh, he had, he'd already, um, had a failed marriage. He tried to go to college. He wanted to study psychology. He drops out after a semester. Mm. No shame in that, buddy. Hey, been there. Uh, <laughs> been there and done it. Mm-hmm. Um, he also was obsessed with being a cop. Ooh. Yeah. 
Um, but he was rejected because of psych tests. Oh, he failed psych tests. Um, and he had a girlfriend named Kelly Boyd. So he basically in 1976, he in beginning of 1976, he moves from Rochester, New York to LA to, um, to go live with his older cousin, Angelo. Mm -hmm. They don't have a lot of money. So they get the idea that they're going to become pimps. And the way they're going to do that is they're going to go out and they're going to kidnap a couple of runaways and basically make them be sex workers for them. So they do that. They actually find, um, two teenage girls, uh, one's named Sabra Hannon and one's named Becky Spears and they take him back to um Angela's apartment and they're like this is what you have to do now they're being pimped by those two and Becky meets a lawyer and she tells him what's happening she tells him the situation and he helps her escape get out of the city and when she goes then um uh, Sabra then has the guts to then run away herself. Yeah. So they, they get away. Oh my God. Um, so, uh, they then impersonate police officers and kidnap another runaway. They put her in the girl's bedroom. They set it up, um, to have her be their next mm-hmm. sex worker. Uh, and they buy a trick list from um a sex worker named deborah noble so this is basically a bunch of dudes names who frequent um sex workers so that they can get a hold of people directly and basically start their own pimping empire fucked up time man yes super gross now well now here's the thing they uh so deborah and her friend yolanda washington go deliver that trick list to angelo's apartment in uh October of 1977. But when they go to use it, they find out it's fake. Uh oh. So they get furious, of course. They get into their car. They go try to find, um, Deborah Noble and they can't find her. But then they remember as they're driving around to find her that when they were talking to Yolanda, that Yolanda told them that sometimes she works, uh, cause she was also a sex worker. She works on Sunset Bo- Boulevard. Uh-huh. So they go down there to find her and they do find uh-huh. her. Um, the next night, October 18th, 1977, the body of Yolanda Washington is found on a hillside in Forest Lawn Cemetery. What? That's like right there. Uh-huh. It's, yeah, close by. Also, she's naked. She's posed in a grotesque, lewd position. She's got ligature marks, strangulation mark, ligature marks on her wrists, um, strangulation marks. She had been strangled with, um, like, uh, rope around her neck and they determined she was raped she's a 20 year old woman oh my god um but when they call when the police arrive um one of the detectives on the case is detective frank salerno oh shit and frank Frank, we've talked about frank salerno a lot he went on after this case so he worked this case um and uh and then when it was over uh and what six years later whenever when the um night stalker case started he also he took what he learned Mm -hmm. and from the mistakes that they made on the hillside strangler case and it helped him catch the night stalker um he also was assigned to the natalie wood drowning oh shit and there's a lot of controversy about obviously we all know about that about how the that report came through and how it was like it was found to be a drowning and nothing suspicious right. and all that it's really interesting he's like it's the the timing of him being a detective on lapd 
is so crazy because yeah. he like in the center of everything. So, so two weeks later, November 1st, 1977, around six in the morning, a homeowner in La Crescenta, this is the one I was talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and La, La Crescenta is 12 miles north of uh, Los Angeles. Don't you live there? Oh shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. Seems like, um, no, no. Steven, do you want to say where you live? I live South Pasadena. Oh. oh. Okay. Um, have you ever thought of moving to La Crescenta? I think you should move to La Crescenta. <laughs> I mean, it's, I want to hear about it though. It's great. <laughs> Tell us it's, about it. Um, it's a little uh, kind of upper middle class neighborhood. It's nestled right into those foothills. Um, the <laughs> um, are they foothills or are they regular hills? I don't know. Um, okay, so. Two weeks later, on November 1st, 1977, around six in the morning, a homeowner in La Crescenta um, walks outside of his house and sees the dead body of a 15-year-old girl laying on the hillside across the street from his home. Um, so he goes and covers her body with a tarp because all these kids yeah. are about to leave their house to go to school. Um, and soon they identify... Um, the victim as 15 year old Judy Miller. She was a runaway, sometimes sex, sex worker in Hollywood. Uh, and she also has ligature marks on her wrists, her neck and her ankles. Um, and so now they know there she's bound and, um, she was murdered somewhere else mm-hmm. and bound somewhere else. Um, and then dumped in this a second location. And this is Detective Salerno. When he is looking at Judy's body, he notices a, a, a piece of light colored fluff on her eyelid <gasps> and he pulls it and saves it for evidence oh later. And this was like, I think before, like really yeah. intense forensic testing, but he was like, this must be a clue. And that kind of detective work that he did on this is the reason they eventually were able to make the case yeah. once they found them. Okay. She was la- Judy was last seen alive October 31st, 1977, she was talking to a man in a large two-tone sedan on Sunset Boulevard. Eventually, what everyone finds out is that's the car that Angelo and Ken, uh, Ken Bianchi used to drive around in, oftentimes um, telling people they were undercover cops or, or detectives. Uh. And, um, and they would basically go drive up and down the strip and arrest girls saying they're bringing them in for solicitation. Oh my God. Handcuff them, get th- get them into the back of the car but, and then kidnap them and take them to Angela's house. Ew. Yeah. So they, of course he's, they're getting these people that they, they're going will willingly because yeah. they think they're in trouble. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they tell Judy that she's being arrested for solicitation. They take her back to the upholstery shop. She's raped, tortured, sodomized, and strangled. Five days later, on November 6, 1977, another naked body with the same ligature marks is found on Chevy Chase Drive near a country club in Glendale. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I think I know that. I think I know that country club. It's on that weird turn. Chevy Chase and what? Oh, Yeah. It's like in Glendale. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know exactly where. So the night before, Elisa Caston is, she's a 21 year old wait, waitress at Health Fair restaurant on Hollywood and Vine. Mm-hmm. She leaves work at nine. She's driving home. She gets pulled over Ooh. by two plainclothes police nope. officers. No such thing, guys. Right. They handcuff her, tell her that she needs to be taken in for questioning. And then, uh, the next morning, her naked body is found. There's evidence of rape. Um, 
but the, she is found on the other side of a tall guardrail. Mm-hmm. And that's when police first observe. They're like, there's no way one guy, cause she, based on like the size of her body, they're mm-hmm. like, one person couldn't have just like lifted this over easily. Yeah. And that's when they were like, pretty sure that it was a two man, um, killing team. Wow. Um, so the next thing that happened, which is fascinating, um, 24 year four year old Catherine Laurie Baker, um, who is the daughter of character actor Peter Laurie. Oh my God. Um, with the big eyes. Yeah. Who's in the movie M. If you've never seen the movie M, it's really amazing. And he plays a serial killer in it. It's, it's a great fucking old movie. And he's a really famous character actor. Like there's a bunch of old, like those old Bugs Bunny cartoons that would have, remember when they would do episodes where there would be caricatures yeah. of like old famous people. Yeah. So it was like Clark Gable and Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Peter Laurie's in those cartoons. Oh he's the guy God. with the really big eyes that kind of was like, Oh, he always like, oh, anyway, love him. So they fucking try to pull the we're fake cops. Show us your ID. You're arrested scam on Catherine Laurie Baker. But when she pulls out her ID, like she's looking through mm-hmm. her wallet, they see a picture of her sitting on Peter Laurie's lap. <laughs> they see that she her name is Catherine Laurie Baker. She says, yeah, that's my dad. And they let her go. because they're Big fans Shut of Peter Laurie. The fuck up. Yeah. And later on, she was um interviewed and she told the interviewer that when she was talking to them she was not they were there was nothing about them that was scary yeah she said it was a casual conversation that she got no bad vibes off of them whatsoever which creeped me out really bad when i read that the next on november 10th they find another body in franklin canyon um north of beverly hills it's a um, she's identified as Jill Barcombe. She's a 19 year old she had just moved to LA from New York City um she had been a sex worker in New York City mm-hmm. um but she'd moved to Hollywood and her body showed the same ligature and strangulation marks and she'd also been raped and this is when police are now are sure that they have a serial killer yeah so that was november 10th eight days later on november 18th the body of a high school student is found on pico boulevard mm-hmm. it's eventually identified as 17 year old kathleen robinson um who went to high school she lived with her mom in hollywood and she had last been seen the day before at the beach then this one's so fucked. I mean, they're all terrible, but on November 20th, 1977, a nine-year-old <gasps> bo- boy finds the bodies of two girls in a trash heap on a hillside near Dodger Stadium. Oh, my God. Uh, that's so horrible. Um, 12-year-old Dolly Cepeda and 14-year-old Sonia Johnson, um, a week before, they had last seen, been seen a week before getting off a bus on York Boulevard at Avenue 46, um, which I think is right Eagle in Eagle Rock. Rock. Yeah. yeah. And, um, they, they had walked up to a two-tone sedan that had two men sitting inside Aww. of it. Um, and the bodies, when they were found, had been a week later, so they had decomposed, but they, could st- police could still tell that they had been strangled and raped on the same day that those bodies were found hikers um on a hillside uh between glendale and eagle rock find a naked body of a dead woman um who's identified as 20 year old christina weckler she's a quiet honor student at the art center college of design um she also has ligature marks on her wrists neck and ankles but unlike the other victim, the police notice she has two puncture marks in her arm that they later find out um, 
she had been injected with Windex while she was being what? tortured by them at, at some point. What the uh-huh. fuck? Um, and they would also come to learn that Christina was Kenneth Bianchi's neighbor. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then three days after Christina's body is found, a body is discovered in near the Los Feliz off-ramp um, of the 101. So there's pictures of... Uh, or The five. The five. Sorry, the five. What the fuck? Um, that's the, I've seen that picture. It's, and it's like, right, it's right there. I mean, if you were driving by, you would have seen it driving by. Yeah. It's so crazy and awful. Um, and I mean, Jesus, it's, I drive on that freeway. I never am not on that freeway. I know. I spend all my time on that freeway. Oh my God. Um, so, the severity of the decomposition of that body prevented authorities from being able to tell if she had been raped or tortured. Like, so, okay, so they put her out and she was de- in decomp already? Because someone would have seen it earlier. No, they, she had been missing. Uh huh. So, they, but they found the body there. Okay. So there, with the picture, from what I remember, the picture I saw, there's like a bunch of ivy and shrubs. Yeah. So I think she was underneath that, oh, but just enough. Yeah. So that just people didn't see it. Yeah. It's sadly, you can look up all these crime scene photos. Um, they're very upsetting. Yeah. And there's a ton of them because it was, they're like the police crime scene photos are on the internet. Yeah. And it's also strange because they all look the same. Yeah. It's like a bunch of men in suits standing around and a little body, a little naked body kind yeah. of in the distance. It's yeah. just insane. Um, so it turned out that this was the body of 28 year old, um, Evelyn Jane King, she'd been missing since November 9th. So she had been gone for like two weeks, over oh, two wow. weeks. So this is when they start the task force for the Hillside Strangler, singular. Okay. So it's 30 LAPD officers, the Sheriff's Department and the Glendale Police Department all coming together um, to catch this killer. Um, but still, the police don't reveal that they know it's two men. Yeah. Let, they let everybody call it the Hillside Strangler. But shouldn't they tell people that so that, you know... Women can be a little more, uh, you know, I'm, aware. I bet today maybe they would yeah. have, and they, but I bet you they were trying to do, they were trying to like be prepared for when I know they're caught and nobody could get, I they know, couldn't get out but of it. Pick something else. I mean, yeah, maybe because, well, it's just the thing, the, the thing to me that's so disturbing is that thing of impersonating a policeman, Ugh, having two that. of them, which is what, that's actually much more believable. Totally. For people impersonating policemen totally it's 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 it kind of put it shouldn't but it puts you a little more at ease that there's two people there yes you know even if they're like for for whatever reason not even just for fake cops just right but the the fake cop thing pisses me off so much it's so unfair that and the when uh, when someone accidentally like rear ends you quote unquote accidentally and then uh, you have to get out of your car and yeah that like, those are that's such fucking dirty tricks i hate it so much it's really awful and also it's just such a strange thing to think back then there were only pay phones I, so like <sighs> if you had a fucking emergency if somebody rear-ended you it was raining it's the middle of the night you're in your car and then some dude walks up and like knock 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 yeah. get out of the car you couldn't even go hold on a second let me just get make sure the cops come here first or, there was nothing you could do that scene in zodiac when he yes. when he puts her fucking tire 
back on or whatever oh. and then she starts driving and the tire comes off i oh, i've watched zodiac probably 10 times yeah. i skip that scene because it's, it's the so scariest upsetting. it's the best scene in the movie whoever it is does such a great uh-huh. realistic job of like what'd you fucking do she, yeah. she had her baby with her yeah okay so less than a week later so also th- you have to think about this too these things are just keep happening i know it's, it's so quick it's so quick it's so intense these guys are like you know um they're berserking yeah it's that i think they call it they say it that on last podcast on left it's like they're gone into berserker mode totally um and i have listened to this one on last podcast on left i just it's been a really long time since i've heard it so i'm not copying you guys (laughs) marcus um less than a week later november 29th 1977 another body of an 18 year old girl is found um her name's lauren wagner she was a business student she lived with her parents in the hills in mount washington Mm. um she had ligature marks on her neck ankles and wrists she also had burn marks on her hand the police knew immediately she had been tortured Mm. and then morning after her body was found her parents found her car parked across the street from their house with the door ajar so they go knocking on the neighbor's doors to find out if anybody saw anything and the woman who lived in the house um where the car was parked Uh uh told them that she had seen lauren's abduction (gasps) So she says that she saw two men. One was tall and young. The other was older and short with bushy hair. And she had heard Lauren cry out, you won't get away with this. And she didn't call the police? I guess not. Oh, yeah. Heartbreaking. That's, I mean, that's the other thing, too, where then easy to say in retrospect. Yeah, I know. But you'd always want to be like, just, even if you're not sure, yeah. call the police. Yeah. But what could you not be sure about? Well, because it could be teenagers. Like, this is the 70s. I know. There's, like, it could be teenagers smoking pot and fighting and joking. It could be a girl fighting with her boyfriend. I know, like, I know. it's just such a, people were, I think, much more disconnected yeah. and, like, unsure. Nobody was thinking, although it is pretty far into this fucking series, sure. that you don't just go, hey, yeah. since this citywide fucking right. panic is happening. Okay. Um, but sorry, I'm sure that lady is racked with. Yes. That's a, that's a life wrecker by itself. Yeah. Um, okay. So I don't dis- mean to witness shame her. No, please, God. So then December 14th, 1977. So, um, like two weeks later, basically, the body of 17 year old Kimberly Martin is found in a, a deserted parking lot near uh, City Hall downtown. Mm-hmm. The body's naked, shows signs of torture. Um, the police discover Kimberly was a sex worker who had recently signed up with an escort agency so she wouldn't be getting Johns off the street Aww. because of the Hillside Strangler. Oh, honey. And they called her agency and she was the woman dispatched just like... They called the agency? The, the cousins called the agency... And what the fuck? And fa- and got her, and then tortured her and killed her. Oh man, what a like! Oh, I can only like picture her being like, "Fuck, man!" That she's she is being careful. She's yeah. like actually is aware, yeah. and taking measures to do something about yeah. it. Um, they when they go to the apartment that she had been dispatched to, the address, it's um empty. It had been broken into. The final victim was found in Los Angeles on February seventeenth, nineteen seventy eight. Uh, so it basically a t- basically a two month. That's it. Rest period. Oh, yeah. Okay. Two month. 
Um, that's the longest it's been so far. Okay. A helicopter pilot spots an abandoned orange Datsun on the Angeles Crest Highway. Uh-huh. And when they go, police go and investigate the body of 23-year-old Cindy Hudspeth, uh, a part-time waitress and student, is found in the trunk. Oh. Um, she has the ligature marks. She's been raped and tortured. And then her body was stuffed in the trunk of the car. And then the car was pushed off the cliff. <gasps> Um, and she was also a neighbor of Christina Weckler, uh-huh. the, uh, an earlier victim, and therefore uh, yeah. a neighbor of Kent Bianchi. But n- nobody actually looked into that any further. And pretty soon after, the Hillside Strangler Task Force was disbanded. I know. Because they, they thought it was slowing down or stopping. And I'm sure financially, that's, yeah. that's always the thing they say. Yeah. Around the same time, February 1978, Kelly Boyd, who is the girlfriend of Kenneth Bianchi, mm-hmm. um, the two of them have a son and by, uh, Mar- they have a son in February and by March, she's like, I'm leaving you. I'm going to move back in with my parents up in Washington state. Mm-hmm. I don't like, like you're going out all the time and you're never here. You don't help me. And so I'm leaving you. And he tries to get back together with her. And she basically says, after three months, she's like, fine, but you have to move up here with me. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Bianchi moves to Bellingham, Washington, and basically thinks he's going to like put all that behind him and start a new life. Uh-huh. He gets a job as a security guard. Ugh. <laughs> he earns the trust of his employers. Um, he's trying to be a family man and he, it's still, he, it doesn't work. So he has the murderous urges still. He basically, um, lures on January 11th, 1979. So he's, you know, been up there for like less than a year. Uh-huh. He lures two women, 22 year old Karen Mandek and 27 year old Diane Wilder to an empty house under the guise of giving them jobs as house sitters. And he rapes and murders both of them. Oh my God. Um, and then he fucking goes home that night. His girlfriend Kelly later says, it was like it was just a regular night. He came home. He asked me about the baby. We watched television and we called it a night. What the fuck? But he was so clearly Angela was the brains of the a team. Yeah. Because Kenneth Bianchi was arrested for these two murders the next day. Oh, my God. It was like they tracked yeah. it directly back to him immediately. So when he's arrested... And this is kind of the famous thing about Kenneth Bianchi. And you can see all of these interview tapes online. And it is so fucking ridiculously stupid. He tries to plead insanity. And he tries to claim that he has dissociative identity disorder and multiple personalities, basically. Oh, Jesus. And so, and that it wasn't him that committed those murders. It was his other personality. Right. So, basically, he gets interviewed by a psychologist. And then displays right. these personalities the first personality is ken he's the nice guy and then eventually steve comes oh out God. and steven steven is the murderer he puts on a big fake mustache <laughs> no he already he actually already had a very steven like mustache oh, shit i'm just steven. saying something to consider steven so a, a bunch of psychologists watch these tapes. Uh-huh. A famous one named uh, Dr. Martin Orn. They watch these tapes and they're just like, he's a hundred percent faking. Yeah. Like there's, there's no question. So he agrees. Uh, he admits he's faking. He agrees to plead guilty and testify against Angelo uh-huh. in exchange for a more lenient sentence. They do not give him a more Hell lenient yeah. sentence. So they're like, you're going to do all that and then you'll get what you but get. Then you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. 
this is his confession is they bring him back to LA and thus begins a trial that lasts five years. Holy shit. One of the longest in history. Wow. Um, hate to be on that jury, right? I mean, so 450 witnesses, two <gasps> years worth of testimony oh alone. Oh my God. Um, Angelo Buono's trial ended in 1983. The presiding judge, Ronald M. George, said this to him. I would not have the slightest reluctance to impose the death penalty in this case, were it within my power to do so. Ironically, although these two defendants utilized almost every form of legalized execution against their victims, the defendants have escaped any form of capital punishment. But the jury brought back um, multiple life sentences because they didn't want them to escape by just being killed. Yeah. They wanted them to go to jail and suffer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Kenneth Bianchi was given two life sentences and he's still serving them out. I was going to say one of them out, both of them out <laughs> um, in the Washington State Penitentiary. Angelo Bono died of a heart attack in 2002 um, where he was, I believe they gave him nine back-to-back -back life yeah. sentences. And this is just an interesting tidbit. While Kenneth Pionke was in jail in 1980, he started a relationship with a woman named Veronica Compton. She was later convicted and imprisoned for attempting to strangle a woman she had lured to a hotel in an effort to convince authorities that the Hillside Strangler was still on the loose. <gasps> Bianchi had given her semen that that she smuggled out of jail to plant at the scene. Who's semen? Um, to make it look like oh, oh, somebody else's, right? To make it look like it was the work of the Hillside Strangler. Oh my God. Yeah. And it, so she tried to kill somebody to prove for her jailbird boyfriend. What a psychopath. Yeah. And so what happened? She, it, they got caught. She was convicted of, of doing did that. Did she kill someone or did and they? And she was in prison. No, no, attempted. Attempted. Okay. Yeah. No, she got caught. What the fuck? People? I mean, there's that I already it thought went on so long, but like I have barely scratched the no. surface of the crazy fucking shit. You definitely, if you want to hear the good stuff, I a hundred percent recommend that you listen to last podcast on the left series of the Hillside Stranglers. You guys, please make good choices. Just make the, basics of good choices in life what like what like don't pull over for the police no like don't <laughs> let don't date a dude who's a murderer in prison and then don't take a cup of semen from him and oh, right. try to murder someone and plant it don't do that it don't if somebody can't make good plans <laughs> That's not even a, like a good yeah. three-step plan. No. Of like, we're going to do this. It's going to have this definite effect. Yeah. Like every, there's so many variables in that plan alone. Yeah. And also, why would you, unless you're, you're just a killer in waiting. Yeah. Why would you agree to kill somebody just to try to get your boyfriend out of jail? Totally. I mean, I guess you love him so much. No, 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 no. You he's love not even your high school sweetheart. <laughs> He's not your real sweetheart he's if he's not, asking you to murder. He's not your sweetheart. He's disqualified from the sweetheart. Yeah. Club. Yeah. Don't fall for it. <laughs> Call 911. Uh, one of the sloppier presentations I've ever given. No, it was great. <laughs> what are you talking about? I just because there's so much I know. detail in it. Um, you can do part two. <clears throat> nah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I've done what I can. <gasps> Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Thank you for informing me. Um, it's my pleasure. It's what I like to do. Yeah. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. This is a sadly typical story that has some crazy twists in it. Okay. That I had never heard about until I read one of our hometown murders. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I was like, well, that's fucking weird. So this is the story of the murder of Dana Bradley. Okay. So St. John's is the capital and largest city in Newfoundland, Canada. And it has the lowest homicide rate in Canada. Wow. Yeah. I was going to... First of all, I was laughing because I was like, what if you just pronounced that wrong? Newfoundland? <laughs> I thought Newfoundland. What if no, I, I think did it's, too? It's Newfoundland. I think shit. I think it is. No, 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 no. I was laughing because I don't it's I know. Hard to mispronounce that. But my friend, uh, so I have two friends. Um <laughs> sorry. Um, my friend Paul Greenberg and his wife Jackie are from Canada. Uh-huh. And Jackie used to make these jokes. She used to she's hilarious. And um she used to do impressions of they call them newfies oh. and it's people from newfoundland and she'd always go oh no i burn my face in a chip fire <laughs> and apparently that's a real thing that happens and not just in newfoundland but i think around canada a chip fire you make chips you make french fries at how at your house uh-huh. after you've been drinking all night in the uh-huh. bar so really drunk people go home deep fry french fries pass out and light their house on oh fire. Oh my god. Very common thing Newfies. apparently to to Newfoundland specifically, but let's not pin that on them entirely, but that's how I'm familiar with Newfoundland. Let us know Newfoundland. I I have no point of reference <laughs> and that is now my point of reference and I love it. It's all I have so now it's all you have. I'm going with it. Sweet. Okay. Until so we hear from everybody from Newfoundland. Exactly. Let us know. Let us know and you will. Okay. So here we are in St. John's. It's um December 14th, 1981. Uh, 14-year-old Dana Bradley, she's like a typical grade nine, grade nine, <laughs> grade nine student. She's pretty good friend, friendly, full of life. She loves this art. She's just a normal girl. Um, she leaves her home, her friend's home. She'd been hanging out there after school and she was headed home for her mom's birthday party. Mm. Uh, I know. 
and she goes towards the bus stop, which is a few minutes away from her friend's house. It's on Topsail Road. It's one of the busier roads in town. And uh, she was going to take the bus home. But it's possible she either missed the bus or just didn't feel like waiting for it because so two brothers who were taking a break from selling Christmas trees on the road, um, they're hanging out at, in their car at Tim Hortons, mm-hmm. good old Tim Hortons. We've been there. We've been there in Canada. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know if it's anywhere else, but I think it's lots of places. Okay, great. <laughs> around, so it's around 5.20 PM. They see a young girl hitchhiking while they're sitting in their truck. It's about 25 or 30 feet away from the road. They didn't know her, but they they remember her because they remarked on how young she was to be hitchhiking. Aww. But even though hitchhiking was kind of a normal thing, especially a small town like this back then. Um, according to the brothers, they saw a car pull up. It was a 73 to 76 four-door Dodge Dart or Plymouth Valiant. It was beige, tan, or faded yellow with noticeable rust marks, and a male driver offered Dana a ride. She got in, and they drove off, and the brothers were the last people to see Dana alive. So, because Dana had phoned home before leaving her friend's house to say she was on her way home, her parents and family were immediately like, something is going on. Um, They file a police report, but of course, nothing can be done that night, because that's how it always goes. But... Uh, it's hours and days go by and Dana is not seen or heard from and her parents know something is wrong. She's not the type of girl who would run away. Four days later, on December 18th, 1981, in a remote wooded area off a dirt road just outside St. John's, um, this couple and their kids are out looking for a Christmas tree to chop down. Oh, no. I know. And uh, the dad spots... Dana's body about six miles away from six miles away from the road where she had been hitchhiking. Oh, okay. Dad sees the body, thinks it's a mannequin, of course. Yeah. It's not. So Dana's autopsy shows that she died from numerous blows to the head with a blunt object and was sexually assaulted. But a weird thing is that Dana had been found fully dressed in her school clothes, even though she had been sexually assaulted and had been laid out carefully, uh, burial style. So like, placed very neatly with her arms over her chest and also her school books had been tucked neatly under her arm oh no like that's like staging yeah like almost lovingly placed her there it seems right Mm -mm. Mm -mm. so because of the way she was laid out police thought maybe that uh the killer was remorseful that that was you know him trying to kind of make it better yeah so they made an appeal to him through the media the murder didn't come forward but the brothers who had seen her get in the car did and they also told detectives about how the driver had to reach over to the passenger side door to open the door from the inside like almost like something was wrong with the outer door Mm -hmm. handle so that was another point of that that car that they had and they were also able to give police a good description and they got um, a police sketch Two other witnesses came forward saying that they saw the car and a man emerge from the woods. So they saw the car by the side of the road and a man emerge from the woods the night Dana disappeared between midnight and 1 a.m. where she was later found. And they said the passenger side door of the car was open and that the dome light was illuminated in the car. Um, and they reported that the man had no jacket despite being in the middle of December and freezing. Mm-hmm. So the search for Dana's killer became the biggest murder investigation in Newfoundland history, as well as one of the biggest in Canadian history at the time. In the first week, 800 cars were examined that matched the description of the car that had picked up Dana. 
and there were 250 prime suspects at one point, but nothing seemed to pan out. So finally, though, five years later in 1986, detectives detectives received an anonymous note saying that the murderer was an ex-con with a violent past named David Summerton, and he really strongly resembled the sketch. Ooh. So they bring him in and he confesses to Dana's murder. Shit. He told them where his car that he used to abduct her was and where the murder weapon was. And he also described how he killed her and it was consistent with the facts. So police um, searched for the murder weapon. It was near where Dana's body had been found. He said he had buried it. Um, and police had thoroughly searched the area before, but they went back and this time they removed trees and they like dug up earth and stuff trying to find it. The, but they never found, uh, anything. They also went to the local dump where he said he had left the car, but it wasn't there either. In all, nearly one million dollars were spent digging up and searching those two sites, but nothing surfaced. Wow. Then this dude, uh, Summerton recants and says he only confessed after having been interrogated for 18 hours. Oh, shit. And that at the time of his confession, he was on heavy medication. And so then he denied any involvement with Dana's murder. And the police didn't have the evidence to hold him any longer. But he was charged with public mischief and sentenced to two years in jail for misleading the RCMP. Oh, shit. Good old mount- mounted police. Uh so before you feel bad for him about that, though, oh. years later, he was convicted of sexually assaulting a minor in two separate incidents. So this guy's a creep, too. Just coincidentally, not the killer, but still a really bad guy. Maybe. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So another man was sentenced to nine months in prison in 1982 for making cruel, harassing phone calls to the family, to Dana's family. But otherwise, the case kind of. It didn't go cold because they wouldn't let it go cold, but it, there was no other real clues, but they kept getting tips and stuff. The person who makes harassing phone calls to uh-huh. a murder victim's family uh-huh. who didn't do it is as bad as the killer. Uh-huh. There's you are psychotic. Yeah. Disgusting. Uh-huh. Who? What the fuck? Yeah. But people make good decisions. Put pick up that phone and actually call nine one one on yourself. That's the best decision you can make in that point. I am a piece of shit. What kind of terrible shit yeah. has had to happen to you for oh. you to be the harasser of murder victims' family? It's just beyond totally. That I I know that's a surprising stance, but I'm <laughs> fucking standing by it. But it's like, who's worse? The murderer who then makes the calls or the, or just some dude who fucking didn't even do it and then makes the calls. I, I mean, mean, they're both bad. Obviously. They're all in the shithead fraternity. Right. In my opinion. Absolutely. But it's just like, it's not a prank. No, I hate, I hate prank culture. I yeah. just fucking hate it. Pranks. Life like, is hard enough without someone pulling a fucking chair out from underneath <laughs> you and videotaping it. Oh, God. Please, the biggest Lord. fear. No. <laughs> that one? That the chair one. one? No, just being pranked. Yes. And videotaped. And videotaped while pranked. That's not funny. It's just mean. Nothing's funny. Okay. <laughs> Nothing's funny. <laughs> All right. Let's cut to 2014. It's been 33 years since Dana was murdered. Oh, fuck. RCMP, they're contacted by a man who uses a pseudonym 
to protect his identity named Robert. He tells them that he witnessed Dana's murder and the events that followed. Whoa. At the time, 33 years before, he was six years old. Uh-oh. He tells them that two years before that moment, after a lifetime of alcoholism, he quit drinking. Once he quit drinking and his mind started to heal, he said, memories resurface. Oh, no. He first had memories of being sexually abused by this dude who was a close and trusted friend of his family. Mm. I know. And then the memory of that man murdering Dana resurfaced. Oh, my God. So Robert's story is that the man. So his name is the man. We don't. Yeah. The He's man. Anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. Was driving his father's car that day. His dad had As a, a six year old. No, the man, the molested the bad man. man. Sorry. Let's sorry. call him the bad man. Great. Okay. Robert says that the bad man was driving his father's car that day. It was a 1972 Dodge Dart. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that Robert was in the backseat of the car. They were leaving uh, McDonald's on Top Sail Road, which is where Dana got uh, a ride from. Right. When the man noticed Dana hitchhiking. Robert confirmed that his father's car had trouble with the passenger side door and that it had to be opened from the inside. And from the back seat, Robert had told him how to open it. Holy shit. And Dana got in. Okay. This is true corroborating story okay. facts, right? Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is going to get solved, isn't it? <laughs> Please. So here we go. Before you call 911. Okay. Nothing seemed unusual as they made their way to her house. But when she pointed out which house was hers, then the bad man kept going. And that's when panic set in. And Robert said he, it set in in him and he could tell it set in in Dana as well. Mm. Dana tried to jump out of the car at one point, but the man, the bad man grabbed her and sped up and kept telling her he was going to turn around. He's like, I'm going to turn around. Don't worry about it. But eventually he pulls off the road. And Robert remembers that the bad man kept telling Dana that he just wanted a kiss. Ugh. And she was crying and fighting him. And then she either scratched or pinched him or did something to hurt him because Robert remembers him kind of jumping back. And at that moment, Dana bolts out of the car. And then Robert remembers and how insanely quickly it was that the bad man ran after her. Ugh. So Robert says he got out of the car at this point, too. The six-year-old's like, what's going on? Um, and by this time, the bad man had caught Dana, and they fought to the ground as the six-year-old's watching. Uh, Robert said he stood near the car and watched as the murder and sexual assault took place. He said as a six-year-old, he wasn't able to understand what was happening. He said the murder weapon was the tire iron from the car, and that then when it was over, the man put Dana's body in the trunk and drove towards where they were going to leave Dana's body along and along the way disposed of the tire iron. Mm. Um, he, the bad man, do I have to keep calling him that? I mean, I can follow it now. Okay. The, he, the man dumped Dana over an embankment and then the, and then he retrieved her body, realizing it was a bad place to leave her. Ugh. Um, and brought it to where it was ultimately found. So, um, then, then Robert says, quote, and he was trying to get me to leave because he said her mom and dad would be looking for her. And he told me that she was going to go to school the next morning, trying to get him to come away. And Robert was like crying and didn't want to leave her in the forest. He was scared. Oh my God. This is her. horrible. I know. And then Robert says, 
so the, the man says that she, we have to leave her here. Her parents are going to come so she can go to school the next day. And then Robert says, well, then she needs her books. Oh, no. So the man went, goes up to the car, gets her books and puts them under her arm because the six-year-old is like, we need to give her her books back. This is the fucking saddest thing of all time. I know. Okay. Later that night, Robert then says the man woke him up and made him come back out with him um, to the side of the body to look for his jacket that he had left behind. And he says that he thinks the reason he made him come with him is in case he got pulled over or whatever. It'd be like, well, my kid's here yeah. with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they pull over to the side of the road. He stays in the car and um, the man goes into the woods to look for his jacket. And Robert says a car drives by. And remember, a car had seen them on the side of the road. Yep. This couple, um, they, da, 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 da. so they had said that the, the dome light was on the passenger side door was open. And Robert says that he remembers a car coming by late at night and says he was scared. So he pushed the seat forward and got out of the car and left the door open. So that's explain that. Um, and then the just every detail he is matching and explaining uh -huh. perfectly. Uh -huh. God, it's like, it's horrifying, but it's also insanely satisfying. But wait. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry. No. Come on. Is anything ever really satisfying no, in this yes. podcast? Not at all. Never. Um, and, th and the people had reported that the man had no jacket when he came out of the woods when they saw him. Right. And, uh, and in one, in one of his statements, Robert had said that he had taken his jacket off to like carry, the, you know, to carry the body because he was sweating and stuff probably. So that's why he left his jacket behind. Da 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 da. They drove off. Um, he didn't get his jacket. Then they go back home. Robert says he holds a work light while the man washes the trunk of the car using the supplies. And then he goes to bed. And four days later, Dana's body is found. Ugh. So Robert, at this point, as an adult, tells police that he thinks his father's car, the one that was used in the abduction, is buried in, on a former property that belonged to his dad. And I was like, what the fuck? But apparently people bury their fucking cars in their backyards. Yeah. Is that's this a thing? Kind of, that's might, a thing. Okay. When you live out in the country, you don't want, like, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take it anywhere. Why? They, well, I mean, like, it's just like a thing where it's like, oh, just go put it out there. Either, cause there's tons of room. Yeah. So, like, it, maybe it costs money to tow. Yeah. So or whatever. So the easier it? thing is just get out there with some manual labor and get rid of it. <laughs> I've definitely heard of that before. So that's just, there's just cars everywhere. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like, um, you know, if you live way out, yeah, like it, when you're kind of like way out in the in the boondocks, yeah, there's it's everything is a big pain in the ass and takes like yeah, you know, you'd have to drive it into the junkyard yeah. for forty five minutes or whatever. This is what happens when you grow up in suburbia. You just don't know fucking country things. Ask me anything about country <laughs> life. You're a horse person. I didn't even have an opportunity. I didn't even meet a horse that wasn't miserable. I wish I was a horse person. I was like, I was like the person who didn't have the right boots. Like there's horse people. That's like the equestrian. That's like rich people. Yeah. We were like the bareback yeah. You know, 70s children that were like, we're probably going to get that bucked off pretty soon. <laughs> we're like the kids with arm casts and shit. No shoes. I love it. Okay. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Car is buried. Okay. So after six, a 16 month investigation into Robert's story, the RCMP refused to try to retrieve the vehicle. And they also dismissed Robert's story completely, saying it didn't match the known facts of the case. Oh, I disagree. 
They said, quote, the vast differences between the known hard facts of the case and this person's account cannot be overstated. So they think, hold on, let me read this to you. Okay, but I will tell you that they did uh, tell Robert that they found enough evidence to corroborate his claims of sexual abuse against the bad man. Yeah. He's identified as Thomas Carey, who was actually arrested and convicted of sexually abusing children in the 90s. So he was a legit fucking pedophile. Yeah. And he served, yeah, and he served time, but he's now free, which is fun. Whoa. In Newfoundland? Uh, yeah, in, in a different city. Ooh. Yeah. So, but as far as this dude murdering Dana, they believe that Robert read about the case and became a victim of false memory syndrome. Mm. Where a person believes the memory to be true and his, and it colors their whole life and they believe everything. So they think that he just read so much about it because the stuff he read, the stuff that he knew was stuff you could read about in the papers. Oh, so he basically got super into the case and then his memories began to fill in right. and match what he'd read. Right. And maybe he was an alcoholic and didn't remember doing all this stuff. And it is true. They talked to his dad and his dad like corroborates that the man who the guy was and that he was around and that he probably molested his kids. Also that uh, in the first couple of weeks of the investigation, they did come and take a look at his car because they were checking everyone's car that was similar. So maybe he had a memory of that somehow. So they don't believe it's true, but a huge, big group of civilians uh, do believe it. They have a Facebook group and there's like 10,000 people on it. Oh, amazing. And they believe Robert's story. And so in May... I do too. I know. You can be one of them. (laughs) In May 2016, they collect enough money to evacuate the car. Evacuate. Excavate. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Evacuate it from the ground. I mean, same idea. Yes, it is. Yeah. Just go, kind of going up different direction. Out. Yeah. Up and out of dirt. Right. It's <laughs> money to excavate the car. It says excavate. Um, <laughs> but before it was completed. So these fucking poor people are like, we believe it. We're going to do it. Justice for Dana. Like yeah. all they want is for Dana's murder to be solved because it's such a small town and it, like fucked everyone up so much. Yeah. So they're doing it. And then while they're doing it, before it's completed, the fucking RCMP is like, hey, guess what, you guys? We retested some old DNA from the case with advanced technologies and were able to connect the DNA to an unknown male suspect. So it's not that fucking dude. It's just some, it's not one of the suspects we have right now. It's just an unknown, not, they, they have to test it against the suspects, but it's not a man it's who's not, not the in the data in the system. Whoa. So those poor people are like, shit. And then they like, yeah. That seems a little mean. Yeah. I want to believe in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Yeah, we all do. Because they have such great chins. But I don't like this. I know. I don't like, I don't like this. I know. Well, how about we independently check the DNA? <laughs> Us in the pod law. Oh, I've got my spinning, yeah. uh, my spinning thing. <clears throat> how about in the DNA law? We make this into a <laughs> DNA loft. It's, we seal this off. Seal it off. No cats allowed. We get those, it's like hazmat suits. Yeah. We handle things. Yeah. With gloves. Yeah. 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 We'll do it. Um, and they, so they tested the DNA against Thomas Carey. No match. He's officially ruled out as a suspect. Um, but there are also other cases of missing and murdered women in the area around that time that might be connected to Dana. In fact, 
the chief medical examiner, Simon Avis, stated that at least two serial killers have been active in the province and that one of them is due to be released from prison, but he wouldn't tell them who it was. Oh, shit. Hey, guess what? <laughs> That's um, so they have, <laughs> yeah. Right. God, tell me more, please. I know. Um, they still receive many new tips, but for now, all they can do is test the DNA against their hundreds of suspects in the hopes of finally finding Dana Bradley's killer. Wow, and that's the murder of Dana Bradley. It's so intense. It. I feel like. You said the perfect detail at the beginning that hooked me in in the worst way. Those brothers seeing her hitchhiking and thinking she was too little to yeah. be hitchhiking just set that tone of like, she's a baby. She's a baby. And she, yeah. And, and that like, happens. I know. We, we read these stories all the time and we get like, the more I do these stories and you see this repetitive, the habit of calling people, um, prostitutes uh -huh. and and hookers uh -huh. and um basically like there's so especially in you know the hillside stranglers oh, geez, i bet they it leads with Dis prostitute prostitute yeah. she's a prostitute it's and, dismissive and totally reductive and it's like they should it should be like she looked like she was 12 yeah. like it's that but also like saying she was 14 you think of her a little more a little older, like at 14, I had gotten into some shit, you yes. know, but then you look at an actual 14 year old an everyday normal 14 year old, especially back in the fucking seventies and eighties. And they were little babies. They're little babies. And even, it, it, I mean, like what they look like is when I went home, um, for the holidays, I remember sitting, my sister and I laughed about this because the, the, the Roy Hill is Roy Hill. Remember the guy that was running, um, for, uh, governor or mm -hmm. something in the South. And he was the one that had been kicked out of the mall for harassing teenage girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was that whole thing where people started talking about like, it's fine. And, you know, yeah. down here, people can, you're allowed to date 16 year olds yeah. and all that weird shit. When we went home, my sister and I were sitting at Christmas and one of my, my two nieces were there. One of them had just gone off to college and one, I believe was a freshman. Mm -hmm. And I was like, would you want yeah. Anna to be dating that guy? Like, totally. would, would you really go online and be like, it's fine that my niece dates that old yeah. man? Like teenage girls are the, such a fetishized Ugh. kind of like, you know, sexualized and like overly matured yeah. group where it's like, oh yeah, hot teenage girl, whatever, where it's like, no, it, they're children. They're, they're children, children and they have had no life experience yet. They don't know how to live, you know, make good decisions yet and be on their own. And no, they're, they're not, they're not adults. Their brains aren't fucking complete. And they're, they're still half children. Yeah. Like, that's the thing to remember. It kind of fucked me up when I, so, you know, I did a lot of shit and I was 13 and 14. And then when I was in my twenties, I was with a guy for a long time of my boyfriend who had a, a daughter who was 10 when I met him. And then, so I was with him for a few years and saw her at 13 and 14. And it kind of hit me as like seeing her and how sweet and young and innocent she was. And yeah. she, I thought I was a big adult back then. Of course. And it kind of put everything into perspective of what I had done and what had been done to me back then. Yeah. It was so like, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's troubling. It's heavy shit, but yeah. it, it's, um, yeah. 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 Try to be as young as you can for as long as oh, you can. Oh, do it. It's not 
grow you'll grow up inevitably it's gonna happen yeah it's a real bummer eh, kids don't ever listen when you say stuff like that do kids them, listen to this stop listening to this yeah we've met a couple that's Those, true oh little baby little children babies. girls that come up i know <sighs> um always with their mothers always with their mothers <laughs> listen to your mothers <laughs> what if one hitchhiked to one of our shows <laughs> God, we would spank her. <laughs> She'd get a spanking. Never. You would be banned. Um, so, all right. Here's the, I don't know. This is the end of the show where we do say nice things. It doesn't have to have a name, right? It doesn't have to have a name, but we've been getting suggestions in a way that is in, it's endearing. It is. And it's also hilarious. Yes. People are trying and they're trying in a way that makes me real makes me feel better that there is no fucking proper name for this right. they're trying so hard and none of them are working well you know why because people you know it's the thing of should it be funny should right. it be a pun should it be sincere yeah Wait, i think i took a picture of one that i liked okay. oh do you have the list steven made a list Steven made a list here you oh, take it thanks i get to read it georgia I knows i love stuff like this so, okay i'm gonna read it and you can tell me kay. you just say yes or no off okay. the top of your head Kathy suggested happy talk. Okay. Megan suggested <laughs> rejuvenation station. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the right things makes me think of my vagina immediately. <laughs> rejuvenation station. Isn't that what you get done? Feet up in the stirrups. Yeah. Yep, isn't is. that yep. plastic surgery? Vaginal yeah. rejuvenation. All right. Um, that's my favorite comedy line that I ever wrote or uh, not ever, but like it was one of the earliest ones mm -hmm. when Zach Galifianakis had his talk show late world with Zach on VH1. Oh, yeah. It was my I second, totally forgot about that. Right. It was my second staff writing oh, job. Oh my God. And Sarah Silverman, uh, they did, uh, Tape piece where Sarah went to a vaginal <gasps> plastic surgeon to interview him. And, uh, I wrote it. And one of the, I mean, she, of course yeah. she riffed a ton of shit herself, of course. But one of the things I wrote for her to say that she delivered so perfectly and it was my favorite thing is, um, uh, after a day of rejuvenating vaginas, um, how can you believe in love? <laughs> And it's the way she did it. I know that wording probably isn't right on, but the way she did it, she had this big smile on her face and the guy just stares at her like he has no idea what she's talking about. That's my brag. Hello. I can figure out any way to talk about myself. Have you noticed that? Yeah, but there are good stories at least. Oh God, I'm so sick of my own voice. Um, <laughs> Nick suggested cheerful chasers. No, sorry, Nick. Nick. And I see. Anna and Jerry um, suggested my favorite moment. Okay, that's cute. I mean, that's smart. They, they're marketing experts, probably. Yeah. Because they're like, keep it on brand. Yeah, but I don't want to have to say that every week. Yeah. Elizabeth said my favorite party vibes. <laughs> and she had a U in it, so she's from somewhere else. Nice. Canada or England. Molly said put a pin in it. <laughs> I like it. Hill Hilla Monster said postmortem positivity. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <clears throat> it just takes so long to say. It does. Uh Andrea said kicks and kudos. <laughs> Andrea's going for it. Andrea's a mom. Um Andrea does some high kicks. Yeah. Jenny with an eye said post pod pick me up. No. Um and then to go along with that alliteration. Tara says, positivity pocket. <laughs> <laughs> See? It's impossible. It's hilarious. Um, Colette says, suggested my current jam. Okay. I don't mind it. Sarah says, <laughs> we should call it fucking hooray. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, that's... I think Stephen put that at the end because he knew that we yeah. would like it the best. Can you make up a jingle, Karen? Am I right? For... 
Oh, oh, it's fucking hooray. There. Yes, you oh, can. It just came out of me. That's beautiful. That was my favorite. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. That was okay. my favorite one. Fucking hooray. hooray. I mean, that's perfect. It's pretty, na- it pretty nailed it. All right. Fucking hooray it is. Who did it? What's her name again? That was Sarah with an H. Sarah with an H. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, you win. But Megan, Rejuvenation Station, yeah. you're right there. The closest <laughs> of seconds. Um, so but again, the vagina part, it's not your problem. It's not your fault. If this was a, if this was purely a feminism podcast, they would win. <laughs> what is your fucking hooray? Want me to go first? Yeah. Do you have one? Uh, mine is that I, someone suggested I start reading this again, and I'm so glad I did because it's so positive. It's Tiny Beautiful Things. It's the Dear Sugar book by Cheryl Strayed, who wrote Wild. She was this um, anonymous uh, advice columnist for years, and it, the book is a like a, um, what's it called? Compilation of like some of her best but it tells the story. It's so beautiful. She's so incredible. The way she talks to people who are going through this traumatic, crazy shit is so real and human. Yeah. And even if it's problems that you've never gone through, which most of them are, but you can relate to in some way. Um, it's really great advice and just really a really great advice. life lesson. I, it's, I can't recommend it enough. Tiny, beautiful things. So tiny, beautiful things is mo- another advice book. Yeah. Awesome. It's dear. It's the dear sugar book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it red? It's orange. Yeah. Orange. Is yeah. that it? Do you have it? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I didn't realize that was the title. Yeah. It's called Tiny Beautiful Things. It's the Dear Sugar book by Cheryl Strayed. I've also read it. It's amazing. It's so great. It's really smart. It's like advice in that way. Like I used to, like when I used to read Elle and I'd always yeah. read Dear E. Jean. Yeah. And like sometimes her advice was great and yeah. really direct and, you know, badass. But then also sometimes it was like, I don't, I'm not with this. Yeah. Like this uh, take on life because everybody's different. Sure. Whatever. I'm with that shit that, that dear sugar. Well, she about. does what you do, which is takes every question as a chance to talk about herself and her life. <laughs> but <laughs> then really somehow fun. fucking turns it into this incredible, uh, in this incredible way to relate to the person and then, and then also empathize with them so incredibly hard. It's yeah. just, it's obviously this, the person who wrote it, dear sugar is just so, she's so, uh, she's so human and so empathetic thoughtful. and thoughtful. It's really a beautiful book, and you'll and you'll you'll grow and heal from it too yourself. <laughs> also, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, oh, that's, that's my, a good one. That's my hooray! Fucking hooray! Uh, fucking hooray! Fucking hooray! Well, that works. That title really works. Um, I mine is a little uh, weird, but I'm finding. Uh, I I got this book on tape. I just haven't been feeling good about myself Uh in a just physically way um and just haven't been active and i know that the like moving around immediately makes me feel better and the less i do it the less i want to do it totally totally and it's just you know i've been complaining to you privately about this for quite some time it's our life um so there is uh i i just looked started looking randomly was like what should i do i need to do something right now and i'm like i'll listen to a podcast so i first i found a podcast called half size me which is hosted by a woman who is doing that thing where she's standing in one leg of the pants she used (gasps) to wear and she is it i i don't have the Stephen, will you find her name for me just so I can say it? But it's such a great podcast. She talks to people who 
um, basically listened to the podcast and lost weight. And they just talk about how they did it, what they did, wow. like what's effective. Yeah. And she is really positive, really like, I just love it. it there's so many ways to do that kind of talking incorrectly, yeah. of like fitness or like, you know, what you need to do is you just right. dig in or whatever, where it's like, but if you don't understand the feeling of having 40, 60, 80 extra pounds on your body, you just don't know, like, there are people that give advice that have no idea what they're fucking talking yeah. about in that specific way. So it's very cool. It's a woman who did it and then is just talking to other people about how who they did, did it. it. That's incredible. So because it's different for every single person. It's different for everybody. And it's really helpful to just hear real people who are like, yeah, yeah, that's what I was like, too. And well, I did it's this. harder to say it's harder to be like, I can't do that when someone's like, but I did it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because when you're sitting at home alone, you're like, there's just no way and yeah. forget it. It's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. But when you're listening to people who are like, yeah, I thought it was impossible, but here's what, here's what inspired me this day, this day. Your, this how day. about then your, um, your goal is to be on that podcast? <laughs> exactly. No, it really is because, oh, so wait, her name is Heather Robertson. Thanks, Stephen. Cool. Um, that's Heather half Robertson. Si half size me. But, but the, Actually, so that's how I found this mm -hmm. book. Okay. Because she recommends that everybody that's going to like get into that whole thing mm -hmm. read this book first. Okay. The book is called The Diet Fix and it's by a doctor named Yoni Friedhoff. And he is, I think, I believe he's Canadian. Mm -hmm. It's basically the book you read when you have read every fucking diet book, you've tried every diet and you now don't know what to do because you have too much information oh. and he calls people traumatized dieters <gasps> and he's the idea is you have to stop dieting you have to stop restricting you have to stop being mean to yourself and beating yourself up and you have to start looking at all all of it like how are you going to do it in the positive way radical self-acceptance <laughs> we were being sarcastic but yeah. that's totally what it is and it just like I am the quickest at re starting to listen to something and being like bullshit and you're full of bullshit yeah. and goodbye and well you know what you know what opening yourself up to and letting and trying it is just vulnerability because i'm also reading fucking daring greatly again <laughs> brene Fuck, brown brene brown brene brown this is the self-help corner i mean there's I, here's the thing when you actually find for a per I've read a million self-help yeah. books. So like, that's why when I read Brene Brown's books, I was like, holy shit, this is real because yeah. it isn't the usual, you know, the patterns and you know, that talk and you know, the like, you've just got to believe in yourself yeah. or whatever. It's like, that's not going to help me get off the couch. What is like, how do I get inspired? Right. And this, the diet fix book, Un, un, unclenched something in my brain oh. in the best way mm -hmm. that just kind of made me go like, yeah, well, I'll just make little changes that's and just start. Awesome. Um, little changes. That's, that's a big part of it, right? Like, cause you're always like, I'm going to stop doing this entire <sighs> life thing. I mean, how many times on the road was I like, just, I'm, I would just turn to Georgia and be like, I'm just not going to eat macaroni yeah. and cheese at 11 o'clock anymore. And then Vince would be like, so we got to order dinner for after the show. And I'd be like, G I'll go ahead and get some mac and cheese. <laughs> like, like is that thing of when, I don't know, things are stressful, things, things are busy and you just want your guaranteed comfort. Comfort. Yeah. You just, it's like if you don't know where else to get it, then you just go to the same well every time. Yeah. And then that's how like and he talks about this in that diet fix book where you've if dieting worked, everybody would be thin. Totally. And you beat yourself up for not being able to do a thing that no one can do. Yeah. Because even like I've 
gone on things where I don't eat sugar for two years. You can do that. But it, you can't sustain it. Yeah. Because if you're not living happily, then you can't continue to live that way. Right. And so the goal is to figure out how to live happily without abusing yourself with food. Yeah. That's all. So it's, I mean, I hate to talk about stuff like this. I will say this. I am an, you, you be exactly the way you want to be. Just feel good. Right. I'm talking about this right now because I don't. Yeah. Not, 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 it's not about you're at the wrong size. It's, I don't feel good in in my body right now. Interior, being uncomfortable and being uncomfortable makes me mad at myself and that I'm mean to myself. Yeah. So like the idea that I'm listening to a thing that's going, yeah, the whole, it's not figure out a a new way to be mean, mean to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's going, no, stop all, clear all the meanness out. Yeah. And start over. And here's how you do it. What's it called again? The book? The Diet Fix by Yoni Friedhoff. Um, and that the only reason I knew about it is because Heather and her, um, Half Size Me podcast, which is a delight to listen to. It's like two ladies laughing about the way it's been and then the way it is now. I want to listen. I love it. It's very cool. That's awesome. But, uh, but also do what you want. <laughs> uh, well, that was fucking hooray. Thanks, Sarah. Right. Uh, now I really like feel like saying fucking hooray. Fucking hooray. Yeah. Um, cool. Thanks for listening, you guys. D- you know, you're the best. We love you. We love you. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Bye. Elvis, you want a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a gold door opening. <laughs> hey, are you okay? Oh, okay. Hey, <laughs> okay,